0: Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Terry Thorne delivers the message entitled, People with a Purpose, Mission. So join us now from the sanctuary of
1: Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab. Our first reading this morning is in Romans chapter 10, reading verses 14 through 17. Listen to the word of God from Paul the Apostle. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all have obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So, faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the word of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.
2: Our second reading this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 1 through 9, and verse 17. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest go on your way. See, I'm sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick that are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Verse 17 says, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh God, as we enter into this time of of worshiping you and receiving your word through song, through scripture, through proclamation, we pray that you would, um, by your spirit, open our minds and our hearts to hear and receive the good news, that you would open our lives and our will to be transformed by it. We pray that all that is said and done in this worship service would glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, earlier this week, I was reminded of a story of a a new pastor who started a call at a church that had a large preschool ministry. And so the pastor goes to the church to take a tour, his first tour of the preschool, and he notices these two children sitting at a table silently by themselves off to the side. And so he looks and the director says, oh, that's a timeout that we call the peace table. It's a place where children um, are taught age-appropriate conflict management skills. And so the director explains to the pastor that when two preschoolers, preschoolers get into it with each other, and preschoolers do that, the teacher leads them over to the peace table to give them a chance to calm down, and then helps them work through their differences using their words and listening. So later, as the pastor's wrapping up his tour, he noticed that the two students are still sitting at the peace table, locked in a stare down curious he asked the director so exactly how long do these students stay at the peace table well the director assured him it's usually only for a couple of minutes and then added but that is johnny and susie they are brother and sister this could take a while (laughs) oh friends how much the world needs more peace tables. It seems like every week there's another story or event or situation that rocks our sense of security, it dashes our hope, disturbs our peace. Which, by the way, for many Christians, are the same reasons that we feel compelled to gather in worship week after week being in worship even for just an hour can be a kind of peace table for people of faith here we are calmed blessed and made ready to go forward in the grace and peace of christ unfortunately though many folks have never experienced or have long forgotten the joy of walking in the grace and peace of Christ. They do not believe that they're lovable, much less that they are loved by God. For many, hope is a dim light far off in the distance. Mercy is unfathomable, and justice is fleeting. Trust has been broken, and life is lonely. And shame. Shame is the loudest voice in their head, And the possibility of forgiveness is barely a whisper. Now, where do you suppose these folks who are not engaged in worship or a faith community will find their peace table? According to Luke, it is our job, the church, to take it to them bearing peace to others healing bringing healing to brokenness demonstrating that the kingdom of god is near is our mission it is our purpose it is a purpose that i believe is as crucial as any other purpose of the church it is one that seems as urgent today as it did in the first century when jesus sent out 12 disciples using almost the exact same words and then sent the 70 or 72 depending on which translation of the bible that you read it is a purpose that if neglected would not only hinder the growth of the kingdom but would also be an act of disobedience on our part. Now to be clear, this passage describes a specific apostolic mission with a specific purpose at a specific time and place in Jesus' ministry. And so while I'm not suggesting that it should be taken as literal instructions to the church, it is, I believe, a timeless model for our evangelistic mission it is still our work to do now let me just pause here and say this when I use the word evangelistic I know that it can cause some people to shudder myself included and that's because evangelical has become a very loaded term Recently, it has been misappropriated into the realm of politics, which has caused so many people to avoid the label at all costs. And it conjures up a variety of uncomfortable images. Uh, Megaphoned street preachers, for one, random missionaries knocking at your door at the most inconvenient times, or you know those cluster of folks who set up downtown with their little pamphlets that read, Do You Know Where You're Going? Well, here's a spoiler alert. Those do not have little city maps inside of them. Thankfully, though, none of these versions of evangelism are reflected in this piece promoting model of mission spelled out in Luke's gospel. Evangelism, in the purest sense of the word, simply means to tell or share the good news. Period. Which, whether we call it evangelism or not, it's our mission. We are called to tell others the good news of what Jesus is doing in our lives and in the world. One relationship at a time. One authentic, mutual relationship at a time. It's not unlike the way that Jesus sent out the 70 into the cities and the towns to connect with those whom God had already readied to receive the message of true peace not the message of peace like don't fight with your brother and sister but true shalom the wholeness and harmony and joy and blessing that is the kingdom of god so jesus sent them out to meet them in their homes and in the places they hang out, to talk with them, to eat dinner with them, to offer healing, and to confront the evil that oppresses. And the only tool, if you will, that they had was their own individual story with their own personal encounters with Jesus. Friends, nothing has changed. The harvest is still plentiful. The laborers are still few. And our own stories are still our best harvesting tool. Now Jesus knew the challenges that those 70 would face. The fear, the rejection, and their utter dependency on strangers. He sent them anyway. Jesus also knows the challenges that the 21st century church faces. Very similar challenges, I might say. He also understands the added difficulties of being the church in North America, where hospitality toward Christianity is significantly lessened for a myriad of reasons, including our culture, our politics and disgraces in church history, just to name a few. He sends us anyway. The mission is still set for us. And the question is whether we will choose to accept it. It is a commission to the church from Jesus himself, a call to which each of us must choose how we will respond. The kingdom of God is near us. In fact, it is among us. Yet we're also surrounded by those who do not know it, who do not yet believe, and who are just waiting to hear a relatable, real-life story of hope. Stories that each of us And they have one thing in common they don't want to hear heady theology and preaching and they aren't looking for a debate over doctrine they just want to know what does it mean to be loved and forgiven by god they're desperate for someone to show them where to find god's light and love where to find hope and healing, where to find blessing and peace. So, how do we, the church, convey Jesus' counterintuitive message of God's kingdom, message that we spent weeks, if not months, on when we went through the Beatitudes? How do we share that with others in a way that they can hear it as true and desirable and always available to them despite? the way things appear in the here and now. I ask, how how can the church carry the peace of God's love and grace into the world instead of expecting or hoping that the world will come to it on its own? Because it will not. How do we offer folks an authentic encounter with Jesus without getting in the way of his message? How can we create these proverbial peace tables with our neighbors, alongside our mission partners, and in our community so we can foster genuine relationships of trust, so we can share our stories of hope and demonstrate the love and the mercy and the forgiveness that we ourselves have received from Christ? How do we do that? It's a lot of questions. And if we overthink them, we will have the, I call it, we will committee them to death. And we will have the potential to stall or thwart God's mission altogether. And that's where Luke's story comes in. And it is why I love this model of mission so much. Jesus basically says, just go. Go. I'm sending you. Go, meet, talk to the people. And there's very little instruction provided about how the 70 are supposed to carry out the mission once they get there. Which, by the way, I read that as there are no special uh, paradigms or programs or formulas on how to carry out God's mission. It is entirely about our willingness and our mindset when we do now do not get me wrong I am not suggesting that careful planning of our mission strategy and our ministry projects is not important remember folks I am trained as an engineer I love planning a lot But it's been my experience that when our mission and our ministry, when it's rooted in a relational approach similar to what was prescribed for those 70s, and when we carry it out with the same mindset that Jesus asked of them, ultimately God's harvest, and it is God's, is abundantly far greater than we could ever expect or anticipate or accomplish on our own no matter what how detailed our plans. Whether we participate in an organized ministry or a mission project or go on a mission trip or if we just happen to meet someone in the parking lot at Lowe's, our approach to living out our missional purpose begins with a single mindset, humility. Humbly trusting in God's provision, not our own. No purse, no bag, no sandals. In essence, take nothing that represents privilege, position, or power. Not because these things are bad to possess, but because they can create a power imbalance that hinders the trust that's necessary. To develop an authentic relationship with someone. And mission is all about the relationship. Relationships are where mere words take on the power to transform hearts relationships are where we can tell our own stories our own brokenness our own need for jesus and our own experience of christ's unconditional love and unending mercy and we can tell them in a way that creates connection and affinity to those who need jesus as well now in this particular story This interaction happened at a table of mutual hospitality and vulnerability for both the guest and the host. Despite the differences in cultures, customs, and dietary laws, the guests, which would be the 70, and the hosts found common ground at the dinner table. There, we presume peace was spoken, Bread was broken, and space for God's grace emerged. We presume at the table there was conversation, connection, and the beginning of transformation. We presume at the table a relationship was established from which trust was built. And here's the thing about relationships and trust. Only when there is relationship and trust can we speak truth to another. Likewise, only when there is relationship and trust can the truth which is spoken actually be heard. So in this story, as I said, the mission was centered around a meal, and that is always a good place for conversation and relationship development. We see Jesus model that many times in his ministry. But there are so many other avenues for sharing as well. In fact, the beautiful thing about missional ministry is that anywhere people encounter each other, under any circumstance there's always an opportunity for kingdom building the key is our willingness to notice to speak and to listen in fact at some point we may need to do a lot more listening than talking it's important listening Holy listening. Listening that is without judgment and completely detached from metrics, outcomes, or credit. I'll say that again. Listening without judgment. Listening and with that is completely detached from specific outcomes, metrics, or credit. Quite frankly, this may be one of the greatest challenges for the church in mission today to invest our time and our energy and our resources into relationship building and storytelling to encourage mutual conversations and then let go and let God instead we're tempted to evaluate our success by numbers Or evaluate our success by how many radical transformations did this mission achieve? And many times we want to make sure that someone knows that we had a part in it. That is not what happened with the 70. In fact, we're told they returned with joy completely amazed At how the mission played out in Jesus' name. To which Jesus basically says later on in verse 20, don't rejoice over what you've accomplished. It never actually was you anyway. Rejoice that you get to be part of the mission. Friends, rejoice that god has given us our own giftedness but more importantly our own unique stories to share rejoice that we are empowered by the holy spirit and we are sent out with a life changing message of god's grace rejoice that god is already preparing hearts to receive it rejoice That the mission is ours to undertake, but our success only comes from God. Rejoice that we get to form meaningful relationships with others and share in Christ's love. Rejoice that when we labor, we ourselves experience the kingdom of God and we sit at his table of peace rejoice this is good news for us this is good news for all let us pray oh god we do rejoice in this good news we rejoice that you have given us our own stories Our own gifts, our own lives to share with others. We pray that your spirit would move among us to give us courage and embolden us to be willing to go on our way because you have sent us hear our prayer
0: you're listening to Sunday with tab a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis we hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program there are many ways to enjoy today's message again subscribe to the tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked sermons and select the sermon you wish to hear while there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live-streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indy. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabprez.org. That's T-A-B-P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with TAB. I ask that they might all be one. Pastor John Gable of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. This was the great prayer for unity that Jesus prayed for his disciples. Unity is at the heart of his desire for us today. But how can this be when God's people are so different, distinct, and separated from one another? This is the miracle of God's work in the church. It is our common faith in Jesus that brings us together now and always. Rather than focusing on those things that divide the body of Christ, it is our desire at TAB to focus on the one who unites us. We invite you to experience this unity in Christ for yourself by visiting us in person or at tabprez.org. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis invites you to worship Sunday morning at 8 or 10 a.m. If you can't make it in person, tune in to Sunday with Tab, Sunday mornings at 6.30 on
2: WIBC or find us online at tabpres.org.